This is Self Care You with Scott. And on today's episode, we have Danielle Mackay. Let me tell you a little bit about Danielle. She's a mother, a partner, a successful female woman, and a stage four cancer survivor. That's right, I said stage four cancer survivor. And if you don't know what stage four means, basically it means that it's spread from one organ to another. And because of this, she now has a new list. Stage four colon cancer, spread to her liver, four major surgeries, 12 sets of chemotherapy, and oh yeah, she's only 36 years old. Today we have a conversation about cancer, the day-to-day effects of it, and the strength that's needed to remain positive during such negative times. As we go through this conversation, be sure to think about your mother or your father, your brother or your sister, your aunt or your uncle, your grandparents, or even your friends who have gone through cancer before. Thanks for being here. This is Self Care You, and we're about to level up with Danielle Mackay. Welcome to Self Care You. Thank you for being here. If you're listening to this show, it's probably because something has caught your eye or something resonates with you about what we're talking about. But self-care you is about promoting positivity at its core, and we're looking for the opportunity to level up. It's an amazing story. You know, Danielle's a great person that has come into my life within the last two years through my good buddy, Tim. And I can see the impacts of positive improvement that has been happening, not just in my life, but in my buddy's life as well, as an effect of meeting Danielle. The first time I met her, I was in her backyard in her pool And she decided to tell my wife and I about this story of of her journey that she has going through cancer. And it was pretty amazing that in the short time that we had met each other that she felt comfortable enough to tell us her story. But clearly when you listen to this conversation, you understand that she's a very open individual that wants to help where she can. In a time where we're going through a COVID pandemic and there's so many things going on, Danielle had the ability to conquer cancer. That's pretty amazing by itself. So let's meet Danielle. Okay, I'm just going to kick this off with just how excited I am about this story that we're going to hear. Danielle, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. And Danielle, for some of those people who don't know who you are, maybe you could give them a little bit of background of who Danielle is. Okay, uh, my name is Danielle Mackay, and... I am a mother um, of a little girl and a little boy, and uh, they're both uh, actually eight now. Um, and, you know, um, I'll be talking, I guess, a little bit about the battle that I've gone through, but I was diagnosed with cancer about a year and a half ago. So, and I'm here now and I'm cancer free as of, well, what the doctors have told me so far, I'm cancer free. So, well, that's huge. I know that. Right now, currently, for those who are listening, we're going through a pandemic when we're recording this. So on top of that, we, you know, you and I have spoke many times about the balance of children life at home, schooling, uh, COVID and being locked down. I'm just wondering where the status is with, with your cancer journey and, and if you're still going through some stressors from that. Yes, I am. Um, I try to stay positive, but reality is, is even when you're finished with cancer, 
Um, there's a lot of battles to go through, whether it be side effects from chemo or um, side effects from surgery, um, or just the mental aspect of uh, kind of um, almost like a post-traumatic stress disorder, realizing that at one point you were told you probably didn't have very long to live, and then now you're being told you're cancer-free. So there's a lot of different things after you get through the battle that you have to go through that I'm kind of dealing with now. Right. Well, first of all, the amazing thing is obviously that you were able to get through it and get to this point, right? That's the big yes. thing. Yep. Um, just so people know the connection, Danielle's partner is my best buddy, Tim, and uh, we've met each other obviously through that communication. And when you told me this story, I just could tell that this was meant for self-care you. And for those who don't know, you know, or are listening to this for the first time, it's about promoting positivity. And we have people from all different walks of life come on to this show and tell us about the positive things that have happened in their life and things that have gone, gone on. I'm really interested if you could just bring us right back to the start, bring us to the sure. start of it and let us know kind of how, how you learned about it and some of the, the feelings that you're going through when you learned about the diagnosis. Okay, yeah. Um, well, actually, um, I was diagnosed uh, the end of May 2019. But before that, I had been diagnosed with diverticulitis and endometriosis. I was having uh, a few different issues. And they were basically, the doctors were saying that that's what the reasoning were. But when they took me for a colonoscopy, because I had colon cancer, they got stuck at a mass of tissue. And they they took it out and did a biopsy. And um, actually Tim went with me for that appointment and I was starting to feel better. So we thought this is good. You know, maybe her diverticulitis has calmed down. Maybe I'm doing okay. And we got the bomb dropped on us. You have cancer and uh, it, it doesn't look good at stage four. So that was like that moment is really hard to explain because it's almost like you just get hit by a truck. Like you have no clue that that's coming for, especially for someone my age. And uh, I mean, I was in always in fairly good health. I've never had any major health issues. So it was kind of like a, a wham moment. And so that's where it all started. I'll, yeah. be, I'll just share with you. Um, my mother went through not necessarily the same type of colon cancer, uh, but she went through breast cancer and in, in a very aggressive state. So I can say that from the impact from, from me hearing that news from my mom when she told me was okay. devastating. You think the world's coming to an end. There's no positive thoughts going through your mind at this point in time. You wonder about, you know, am I going to lose that person? What's next? How do I go through life? You know, how do we beat it? All these types of things, right? So right. I can definitely understand with, uh, you know, it being jumbled and, and how you're taking your emotions for sure. Right. right. Yes. And you and it's it's hard to kind of process it when when that happens, um, because you you know, there's so much unknown, especially when you're just getting the first diagnosis. So it's kind of like, OK, I know stage four is not good, but what does that mean for me? And then um, very quickly after diagnosis, you go in for a lot of tests like that same day I got sent for blood work. And then the week after I went for a CT scan and um, they had known it was in my colon but they wanted to see if it had spread um, to see if I should go for chemo first or if I should be getting um, surgery. And this is all like within the same day as finding out and they're telling me this and you're kind of yeah. like, uh, what? <laughs> right. What's um, next? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and you, you can't even process like, okay, you know, um, you're not, you're not ready to fight because you don't, you didn't expect it. So 
um, you kind of go through the process of doing all the tests and everything. And when that happened, um, they found out that, okay, it's not just in your colon, it has spread to your liver. And so you get hit with that, bam, and then it's like another one, like, okay, we can't just take that part of your colon out. It's actually gone to your liver. So you're going to have to undergo surgery, chemo, and then another surgery. Wow. Um, and so basically by June 15th, I was diagnosed on May 30th. And by June 15th, I was undergoing surgery where they removed 23 centimeters of my colon, um, my left ovary, my appendix, and they dug out some of my pelvis because there was lymph nodes there to remove. So that was the first surgery. And uh, so it was all within two weeks of finding out I had cancer too. So it's kind of that was like, you didn't really have time to think, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it's um, moving, moving really quickly, right? Yes, yeah. And then um, after that, I had about um, a month to heal. Well, I think about three weeks. And then I had to start chemo. And because my cancer was so aggressive, um, they, they gave me a special type of chemo that um, you actually get hooked up to and you have to take home with you for three days. So you go into the hospital, you undergo a chemo session for four hours, and then they have a slow release chemo that gets attached to my port in my chest, which I had to get a surgery for to put that in. And, um, and then you go home with it for three days and then you go back to the hospital and get deaccessed. And I have an extreme fear of needles. So for this, oh, gosh, uh, it yeah. was, it was, it hasn't been a good experience that way, but I am getting better with them, but you don't ever, I think, get over it when you have that phobia. Right. So, um, but you know, so all within a month of finding out that I was, uh, diagnosed with cancer or maybe 40 days. It was a major surgery and then it straight into chemo to try to calm down, um, to calm down it from spreading before I could get my liver surgery. So we had to shrink the cancer before I could get um, about 60% of my liver removed. Wow. So all during this time, I mean, um, I, I have a lot of friends that were reaching out and everybody's kind of searching for different things. So we, I went to a naturopath as well and got on things that are going to clean out my liver, turmeric and so on and so forth. And then I had a friend reach out to me about CBD and some cannabis based things as well. And I started taking RSO at the same time as I started taking chemo and it's um, basically an oil that is made out of, um, out east by this man, Rick Simpson. He created it and um, it was known to shrink cancer. So I said, you know, whatever it takes. At that point, it's, you know, um, I'd had doctors tell me that I maybe had five years to live on chemo. I was willing to try anything. Right. That's, you know, that was the way that I looked at it. And I did try everything and, you know, the combination of things, I guess, worked. So that's, that was a very positive thing about it. But um, when the next surgery came, I had a few months to heal from doing my last sets of chemo, the first set six, six sets, sorry. Um, Then I went for my surgery where they removed 60% of my liver, my gallbladder, and um, any other kind of cancer they saw floating kind of in my pelvis and area. Um, and when you get your liver removed, I mean, it's quite amazing. It's the only organ that grows back, but it's the most tiring thing in the world while you're creating a new organ. Um, you really just have zero energy. So, um, anyone that's been pregnant knows the last month of being pregnant. Well, (laughs) that's what it feels (laughs) like. You just feel drained. So I'm really, 
I'm yeah. really interested, Danielle, in, in hearing about taking the chemo home. Like I remember the experiences I went through <laughs> with my mom. Uh, my mom did radiation as well as a chemo bout. And the, the comments that I got from my mom, the feelings that she was going through were never positive. She felt like she was always just not herself. And I'm interested yeah. to see how taking chemo home and trying to be comfortable in your own home worked for you. Yeah, um, we, we kind of, because of my fear of, of needles and having the kids, we, we kind of, they got used to the fact that um, when mommy comes home with a chemo bottle, basically, you know, stay away, you know, everybody's distancing right now, whatever, six feet, that was me with my chemo bottle before COVID or anything. I just, right. you know, you gotta, everybody kind of had to stay away from me just because, you know, I have had a lot of um, phobias and worrying about it rip out of me and just the crazy thoughts that went through my head so we figured out how to kind of manage our day-to-day -day life with um helping me but not not making me um stressed out about it um but we also have i have a four post bed so we found like a um a bag that we had the bottle in and we would tie it on the four post bag to kind of create our own um iv holder but when when you have it when you have it on attached you it is very draining um and when you go through chemo there's something that they call the fog and that's probably what your mother um felt as well where you just feel out of it i watched full movies and then the next day would see a preview for it and say to my mom who was really helping take care of me at that time oh we should watch that movie and she's you know kind of like danielle we watched it yesterday and i'm like oh i wow. don't i don't remember well, and, and you're putting chemicals into your body that your body's not used to, right? Um, right. So it's going to have you react differently and, and the emotions that you're going through. Right. I can't, I can't imagine what that's like to have chemo attached to me at home, you know, making DIY IV setups in my bedroom and, and things of that nature. I feel like it would be depressing, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. It definitely is. It, it was not, um, it's not anything that I would wish upon anyone. I mean, you get through it, but you still, it's hard to sleep too, because you know, you can't roll around. Um, so you've got to try to, anybody that can't sleep on their back straight would have a hard time doing it. Right. Uh, so, so, and you're getting, you know, you're kind of in and out of consciousness because of the chemo and you're making, it's making you dizzy and you're on different drugs for, you know, to deal with those effects. So it, it's definitely a tough thing. And I found that one of the toughest things going through it. Wow. And I could imagine too, like, for me, I remember picking up my mom from uh, Sunnybrook when she was doing radiation and she felt like she was always just hot, like yeah. always sunburned and just yeah. could never come down to a level where she could be relaxed. And the chemotherapy, I remember she, she would tell me that her stomach was always upset. She always felt mm -hmm. like she couldn't digest food correctly. Orange juice kind of became a thing until it was no longer tolerated. Like mm -hmm. these are things that I you know, I'm excited to have this conversation because although I went through it with my mama, I, you know, having someone who is a good friend of mine that I feel could tell our audience some of the stressors that they went through so that if somebody's listening and it's happening to go through this, they can be prepared for it. Yes. Uh, is obviously positive, but important as well. I know that your journey obviously didn't stop there. Um, and what part did we leave off? I can't even remember now. <laughs> um, well, I, I will just make a comment about some of the effects of chemo too. Um, with your mom saying her tummy was upset. The thing too with chemo, it, it, it affects your taste buds. So everything, for instance, if I ate meat, it, it tasted like gasoline. 
And um, so you can't get the foods down because it, it literally tastes so bad that it makes you feel sick to eat it. Um, I couldn't eat spinach that tasted like gasoline. Anything that was high iron was bad. I some days would be living off pickles and um, celery sticks that had cream cheese on them. And those were that was like a staple for me going through it. But without um, knowing that you wouldn't even know to try it. And actually my aunt who had gone through um, chemo, she told me about the celery sticks and cream cheese. And I was thankful because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I wouldn't even have thought to try that. Right. And so do you have a food that you just can't deal with ever because of that? Um, I, I, this isn't really because of chemo, but because of all the surgeries. Um, so the, the surgeries, cause it, it was to do with my colon. Um, there was surgeries I came out and I was on like a liquid diet for two weeks. And so I was eating soups, pureed soups and smoothies and so on and so forth. And I used to love that stuff. And now it's like my last choice because I had to have it so often to get the nutrients into me. Um, it doesn't interest me anymore. <laughs> yeah. Naturally it wouldn't, you know, you, you've just gone through eating it in the worst time of your life. You don't yes. want to have to go through it again kind of thing. Right. Yes. And it just, yeah. Cause I had so much of it in such a, a small period of time. I just thought, you know, like I, I can still have a smoothie, but I would have like before chosen a smoothie over something else. And that just is, it's, you know, those are the kind of things that I don't think you'll lose. It just yeah. happens. Well, I'm really curious with how much it changed you as a person, because clearly you can't conquer something like this by just being negative. You're obviously the type of person that is um, a bulldog and ready to just go get it and and willing to do what needs to be done in order to be here, right? Um, yeah, well, actually, that this is a, a pretty good segue to go into when I was going into my next surgery was where we left off. But um, that is... <laughs> So before that, I kind of felt like everything was thrown on me and I just had to do what they were telling me. And so I did. And I went through my six sets of chemo. And then we were during the, actually during the chemo time, I think I had just started chemo. This is kind of where um, my fight mechanism, I think, came in. We went, we were seeing specialists to do with my liver. And, you know, I knew we had to go for chemo first and, and we knew that, you know, the chemo would shrink it. But I guess every doctor we would talk to said, you know, it had to shrink a certain amount for them to be able to do the surgery to remove part of my liver to get the cancer out. And the first surgeon we went to, um, he was very, uh, very um, laid back, but not in a good way. And uh, when we went to see him, he kind of said to me, um, in so many words that, you know, I can't do this surgery. Um, I'm I, there, I don't have any hope that the chemo is going to work for you. I just suggest that you stay on chemo for the next five years. Um, stay comfortable on chemo was his wor words and stay for the next five years on it. And then, you know, at least you get that time with your family. And that was when it was like, what? <laughs> no. Yeah, come on. This <laughs> has not, to be. <laughs> yeah, no. I was like, I'm not going to listen to this. Um, when we've had such a good response and my first surgery went so well and we, you know, we were on the right track. I was like, there's no way that I, I'm going to listen to this. So I kind of, um, my boss lady mode, I guess, came in and said, you know, I have a, at the time a six-year-old at home and uh, there's no way she can lose her mother in five years. Like I'm not, this is not an option. And I, I said, I understand that you don't think the chemo will work, but when it does work, 
I wouldn't let you do the surgery on me anyways, because I just, there was no way. So we went and got another opinion and um, Dr. McGilvery, actually one of my surgeons, he saw me and he's, and he was so impressed with how the chemo was already working that he said, let's just finish up those six sets of chemo. And I can, I can do the surgery and remove that part of your liver for you. So. Wow. That's crazy to think about because I'm not kidding you, Danielle. I very much remember that this exact same thing was roughly said to my family as well with my mom. Mm -hmm. It's, it's crazy to think that, you know, somebody's out there just because, and you know, maybe they don't know, or maybe they don't have the experience to do what Dr. McGilvery can do, but you know, to lead someone, we're talking about people's lives here to leave somebody and to believe that it's pretty much over. What if you didn't get a second opinion? I guess exactly. Right. That's, and that's my biggest thing that I tell anybody when I'm talking to them about this. Don't, if you don't like the answer that you're getting, fight for another one. Because um, if you feel like it's not right or something's off about it, you, you need to get a second opinion. That's like, it's so important because if I had listened to him, I would have just stayed on chemo and, um, you know, who knows what would have happened. Right. So we're now at the point that we went through the chemo stages and we're ready to go into what would probably be the major surgery? Yes. So this made the surgery where they removed um, 60% of my liver and my gallbladder. Um, the reason they moved the, removed the gallbladder was because um, they just didn't want any more organs that the cancer could spread to while they're doing the surgery or afterwards. So basically I have no more accessory organs left in me is what I've been told. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> which is fine, but uh yeah, I, I didn't realize we had so many organs that weren't needed in our body until after this. But right. um, um, so you're but, you're basically a shell of a human then. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, I said, well, it's less less to worry about. I never had appendicitis, but I don't have to worry about it getting it now. So, <laughs> and some go. people have to get their gallbladders removed. I I will never because it's already gone. So these are the positive things. Um, yeah. So, and during that surgery, I mean, it was a big one and we knew it was a big one and I had to do it at Toronto general, but Dr. McGilvery's at princess Margaret. So, um, but because it was such a major surgery and I would be in the hospital for about seven days after they did it at Toronto general. And, um, during that time, my mom, of course, which I can only imagine, um, being in her shoes with your daughter going through such a major surgery, uh, that what they were, you know, a little bit concerned about, um, she, she was waiting for me and it was taking a lot longer than expected. And of course she's nervous and they have almost like a, a TV screen up there. Like when you're waiting for your flight, um, that tells you kind of, okay, a surgery in pro- progress or in recovery or, you know, so on and so forth. So she's standing, she's sitting as close to that screen as possible so she can know what's going on. Um, and the doctor hadn't come out and I think it had been a few hours and they thought that the surgery probably would be about five to six hours. And I think it was closer to eight. So my mom was getting pretty concerned. Um, and a lady came up to her actually and handed her a letter and told her everything was going to be okay. Hmm. And this is the story that I now call the green blanket story. (laughs) Um, so this lady, uh, very briefly, just said, you know, it's going to be okay and gave this letter to my mom. And of course, you know, she wasn't expecting it. So she just kind of said, okay, thank you. Um, And she opened it up and um, the letter basically said on it, uh, you know, your, your grandmother, which was, I mean, my grandmother, her grandmother, your mother is, is watching over her. Everything's going to be okay. She's going to heal. She's going to make it. 
um, and she's going to be okay. Tell her to picture herself in a warm, fuzzy green blanket, and that's when she'll be healing. And so it was kind of an odd letter to get, yeah. uh, to be honest. <laughs> like, you're, you're kind of like, uh, okay. And, um, and was there any interaction? Like, was there no, any between your it mom was and very brief. And my mom said, like, she kind of was just gone after that. Like, she didn't, she, she wasn't in the waiting room anymore because she read this. And then, you know, you think you'd want to go and say thank you or something. But she looked around for the lady and the lady was no longer there. Wow. And for, um, some, for those people who don't know what uh, cancer waiting room is like or just a waiting room in general for major surgeries, it's, it's not a very positive minded place. You don't have conversations with other people. You generally just kind of go through your motions until you're ready to go. Right. Yeah. So that's exactly. uh, interesting that that would come up. <laughs> yes. And it was, it was very, very interesting. And I mean, I, you know, my mom gave me the letter and told me the story and I thought, Oh, well, that's nice. It, it's odd. Um, my, cause my grandmother had passed a few years ago, but I'm, I'm very close with her. And for it to say that she's watching over me, I'm thinking, okay, you know, but you kind of, you're going through so much recovery was, it was a, a long process for after the um, liver surgery. So you kind of think, well, that's kind of weird. And you put the note away. And then, um, after my surgeries, I had to start chemo again. And, it, um, it wasn't because I necessarily had any more cancer in my body, but they, um, I responded so well to chemo the first time. They wanted to make sure that there was no any, not any floaties or anything is what they call it, um, to make sure, you know, all the little cancer spots that could be there that they might not see um, are gone. And um, I, I had to really debate on doing the, the chemo the second time because when they did my pathology, um, of my liver that they took out. So they sent it in the detesting. All of the cancer that was in that liver was dead. So, and I don't know, um, a lot of people don't know this, but chemo will not kill the cancer. It's proven to shrink the cancer, but it, it's never proven to kill the cancer. So oh, okay. when they took out my liver and they saw that, you know, it's all dead, um, the only thing that I can say that I would think it would be was the RSO, which is the um, Rick Simpson oil that is proven to kill the cancer. Um, I, I can't prove that, but that's the only other thing I was doing consistently to control my cancer. Right. So, well, sorry. What did, what did you just call it again? RSO, which is Rick Simpson oil. Rick Simpson oil. You're right. You did mention this before. Let's get back yes. into that. I definitely want to hear what that is. Too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Rick Simpson oil actually was created out East um, by a man in Nova Scotia. And before it was legal, he was actually known for getting it to his um, friends and family and he had skin cancer and he would put it on his blemish on his arm um, with a bandaid and left it there for three days. Then he took it off and showered because you're not supposed to get it wet while it's on there. Then he showered, he would wash the Rick Simpson oil off, put a brand new one off. And then he went the next three days goes by, he takes off his bandage and the blemish came off with it. So wow. yeah. So it, it, and then, so he started giving it to people orally, like I take it and it was killing the cancer in people's bodies. So I was blessed to find out about this as well because not a lot of people as I talk to people going through cancer knew about it or know about it so but now they have it at you know the um, medicinal marijuana places or you right. know it, wherever anyone goes to get there yeah so it's a a, a CBD oil essentially or well, it's, a, it's a THC oil right. um, 
but it's very high because what, what it does is it, it, it creates an inopportune environment in your body for cancer to grow. So it, for me, I had to take quite a bit because my cancer was spreading and growing um, quickly, but some people take it as a preventative me measure. Like I have a lot of family members now that take it um, and just take a little bit every night to, so cancer, it just creates an inopportune environment in your body. So cancer doesn't want to grow because cancer on a whole doesn't like THC, but if you're, if you're smoking it and things like that, it is a carcinage. So this is just an, it's like an oil or a medicine that goes under your tongue. Wow. And yeah. like, you know, we're just touching the surface on CBD oils, THC oils, mm -hmm. you know, cannabinoids and how they are utilized and, and how they can benefit the body. Um, mm -hmm. Obviously with them being legalized now, you can start to explore. I definitely dabble in CBD oil. I find it mm -hmm. is so beneficial. It helps my body and, and pain relief and things of that nature. So it's nice to hear that there's finally something that is obviously working towards the benefit of beating cancer because like yes. you said, yeah, and we're not killing it. Right. Uh, we're getting to that Avenue obviously where we can try and explore new elements with medicinal products. So that's awesome. Right. And the combination, I believe um, in my opinion, I'm, I'm not a medical expert, but the combination of the chemo, which was shrinking my cancer quick enough because it was spreading so quickly and the RSO, which was, which is known to kill it. I believe the combination of the two is, is what got me to where I am with no cancer in my body. Wow. Well, you know, you've gone through so much, obviously in this last little bit, you said May, 2019, which is not a very long time in your journey. I'm interested to see exactly what motivated you to obviously, you know, for lack of a better term, level up, go to work, get, get done what you need to get done. Uh, was it inspiration, obviously, of your child or your family or just something deep down that you're able to kind of look back to that was able to help you, you know, be positive and, and conquer cancer? Um, I think I'm a big believer and always have been of a positive attitude is um, more beneficial or, you know, um, you get better results than having a negative attitude. Um, and that's just been my mindset always. Uh, I have a lot of friends that they always, you know, kind of tease me, oh, Danielle will kill them with kindness. And that's just uh, my personality. Um, but on a whole, yeah, I mean, fighting to be there for my family was a huge thing. And I had such a good support group. And, um, you know, my mom and Tim, you know, they're always there to take care of me and take me to my appointments and do that. It is important to have the support group. But also, I believe that mind, it's, it's mind over matter, you have to believe you can get through it. Because um, if you don't, then who's fighting for you? like you, you need to fight for yourself and know that, you know, anything's possible, even stage four cancer, you know, that that's pretty scary when they say, you know, the next one, you just don't make it. So um, you can yeah. get through anything like you, you can, but you have to have that mindset and there's no point of giving up because where's that going to get you? Right. I guess when you got a good support group, like, you know, Tim and your yeah. children, your family, everyone, friends supporting you, you know, it's good to have that feeling, obviously, and you can, you can take that energy and start working towards what your goal is. But I'm interested yes. to know what, what was Danielle's deepest time, your scariest time that you had during this journey? Um, well, I think that, uh, so anything to do with needles for me is, is scary, but I mean, so every time I had to get any procedure done or even going now every two weeks to get my blood taken, 
it, it's scary. But um, I would say after my last surgery, um, it was taking a long time for me to heal. And it probably to anyone looking out from the outside, it doesn't seem like it's a long time. It was a few months. But for me, um, I like to get back to normal quickly. I like to just, you know, I don't, I don't like to have to lay in the bed for long. And I was exhausted all the time. And I had a lot of issues internally from all the surgeries. And it was, it was very painful. Um, I actually started going to see um, a lady that did vibration therapy. And that helped me with my insights and kind of getting them back to normal and just um, getting to that place where I, I was almost in a meditated state when I was there. So she put on the calming music, she put the vibration therapy on, and it was very, like, very much a time where I could kind of go in my own head um, and just take that time to realize, okay, you've gone through this, Danielle, but now it's time to shut off and just, you know, um, kind of level myself out instead of going up and down with emotions. And I think that was a big deal for me was taking that time for me to just turn off. And I did a lot of things um, like painting. I, I picked up painting <laughs> and uh, um, doing a lot of different craft things to keep me busy. Um, I, you know, I, I did a lot of different cooking. I went to school to be a chef. So I always liked to experiment in the kitchen. And I, I think that having that creative outlet uh, is so important, um, whether it be someone that's into crafts, painting or so on and so forth, or, you know, reading a book, but just getting your mind out of the state that you're in for a while is very important to get through the bad times. And when I was going through the bad times and going to vibration therapy is actually when um, I really saw a sign that I was doing the right thing. And the sign goes back to the green blanket story. And um, I, I was feeling at my worst and I went and I, I started doing some more yoga and I went to my vibration therapy and the lady for my first vibration therapy session gets me all laid down, puts all the stuff on me. And then I close my eyes and she covers me up. So I'm in this really, really good place and I felt really good. And then at the end of it, I opened my eyes and I looked down and I was wrapped in a fuzzy green blanket. Come on. And yeah. No. So way. it's, it's to me, that was like, I don't know how weird that is or how, how much more of a sign you can have, but the, you know, to get that letter with, from a lady that neither my mom or myself knows. And then to say, you know, she's healing when she's, she's in a fuzzy green blanket. I don't own one at home. So I thought this is, you know, too crazy to not even be real. I don't know who was sending me that sign or why, but that really was like, okay, Danielle, you're doing the right thing. Like just keep fighting and, and everything's going to get better. Well, you know what? It's amazing. Two things I want to mention there. First of all, when you're going through tough times, whatever these tough times may be, it's always important to try and navigate your highs and your lows by doing what makes you feel well, right? Yes. Uh, what makes you feel like you're in the position to, uh, to conquer whatever it is that you're dealing with. For me, I know this sounds really cheesy to a lot of people, but when I, when I go golfing, I find tranquility out in the golf course, being out in nature, being able to clear my mind and really just understand what I'm going through. Um, that totally makes sense. Yeah. But on the other side of things too, you know, with going to the vibration training or healing, sorry, my wife, you know, Denise, uh, she's a Reiki yep. practitioner and 
and she has people come here all the time that she's doing Reiki and she will tell me stories about people seeing certain things or certain elements of their body will hurt. It's amazing when you get your body and, and you know, your mind, body, and soul all in line with, you know, the universe and what you're trying to get to, you can start accepting different avenues of healing. It's pretty amazing mm -hmm. in that regard for sure. Well, with, amazing. with all that being said, I think this, this leads us into what is the question I've been really wanting to hear you uh, answer is that if you were in a room right now and across from you sat a patient that just found out the news about cancer and what was going to, you know, be their journey for the next little bit, and you had an opportunity to talk to that person, what would you say to them? Well, um, I would say quite a few things, but uh, to be honest, I've been in the position where I have been able to help some people that are going through cancer now. Um, Tim, he brought me to um, a yoga retreat before the pandemic and in between my chemo sessions, and we went there for a few days, and it was the best thing I could ever do for myself. But I met a lot of people there that had either family members going through cancer or uh, so on and so forth. Plus in the chemo ward, I, I met quite a few people that um, were going through cancer for the first time. And they all, I, I got a lot of stares there because of my age, because, you know, I'm not the typical um, person that's, that's sitting in the chemo chair. So a lot of people, or they would come with a family member and I got a lot of staring, like, is she really going through this? And yes, I am. Um, if, if I'm giving advice to someone that's going through it is uh, for sure, you don't give up and don't take um, your first opinion. If you, if you don't like it, find another doctor that can help you because um, I, I believe, you know, in most cases, there's something they can do for you. And if someone says they can't, then you need to find somebody else. Uh, I also believe that, you know, um, it's really important to do the things that you love and force yourself to get up and do them when you don't have the energy, whether you're going through chemo or radiation or whatever, just to get your mindset in a better state and feel like you accomplished something. I found that was huge during treatment. Um, and don't be afraid to talk about things and accept help from others. I, I found um, my first rounds of chemo, I wasn't so great at accepting help, but the second rounds of chemos, um, I actually had to go through during the pandemic, um, which is a terrible thing. And uh, you can't have anyone with you for the four hour chemo sessions. At one point I had to live completely on my own because Tim had to work and um, my mom was too scared that she would get me sick. So I was getting just groceries dropped off, except the help from people is the main thing as well. If someone's offering to help, they care, they wanna help you, let them help you. Um, and just try your best to stay positive even on the bad days, but don't be afraid to try alternative me medicines either because um, let's be honest, the, the medicinal aspect of it, there's not a proof um, for a cure for cancer, but out there I believe there is a cure, but I don't know that it's gonna be done through medicine. And right. I think it's important that we try, you know, holistic approaches and cannabinoids, can, can, I can't say it, but you know, cannabis. Yeah, cannabinoids, yeah. Yeah, cannabinoid is a hard one, um, but cannabis-based uh, medicines. And even if you're afraid of the THC aspect of things, there's so many CBD effects that, you know, we even have our pets on them now, and I, I notice a difference. So, there, you know, for the aches and pains and all the different side effects, don't, tr don't be afraid to try that stuff because I don't believe I would have got through chemo the way I did if I didn't tr do that stuff because it, it really helped with the pain and the nausea and so on and so forth. Sure.
Well, Danielle, listen, I want to thank you for taking the time to, you know, talk to some people that might be listening. Maybe there's somebody that's listening to this podcast that is going through what you went through, but in the early stages and really just needs to hear it and doesn't have someone to help. So I thank you for that. Uh, you know, there's lots of places that you can go to get help when you have these situations like Hearth Place or the Canadian Cancer Society, but really make yes. sure that you, you know, the, the big thing is that you're motivated inside yourself and that you're willing to get at it. So I appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. I, I appreciate you having me on here. Awesome. Have a good one. You too. My thanks to Danielle for sharing her story. And after our conversation, I really wanted to learn more about RSO, the Rick Simpson oil. Much like Danielle mentioned, RSO, or also known as Phoenix Tears, is a custom blend of cannabis oil. Should you be going through something like Danielle is going through and you really want to try a holistic alternative method, I would get to phoenixtears.ca and see if there's something there that could help you out. I also wanted to take a moment to give a shout out to all the single parents out there. Respect to you. You just got through Christmas and you provided another memorable year for your children. But now it's a new year. The music is gone, the decorations are down, and the giving is less and less. Yet you still need to find ways to put food on the table. I see you and I respect your work. I know it's tough to stay positive, but it will come. Stay focused on your goal and good things are going to come. I promise you that. We appreciate you listening. And should you feel that you have an awesome story that's about positivity, feel free to reach out to us via email at selfcareupodcast at gmail.com or you can get us on Instagram at selfcareu underscore level up. This is Self Care You and we definitely leveled up today with Danielle Mackay. Mm-hmm.